This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. G'day, Adam. How are you going? Uh, doing pretty well, thank you. Uh, I managed to survive uh, Emily's birthday party on the weekend. Happy birthday, Amy. She turned seven. Uh, Daddy loves you very much. Not such a fan of your friends. They're far too noisy. Um, but good times anyway. Uh, and Halloween today as we record. So if, uh, if I have to duck out for a sec, it's because we're getting trick-or-treated again. But massive show coming up, Thomas. Uh, when the chips are down, down in production that is, Toyota has turned back to the good old car key. Uh, New South Wales plans to make pokies cashless, just like the majority of people who play them. Also, a story straight out of the NT News, so you know it's going to be amazing. There's been a robbery involving Steve Irwin, John Farnham and Alf from Home and Away. Uh, you know you're going to want to stay around to hear about that one. But first, Thomas, inflation data was out last week. Have we peaked? Where are we at? No, we haven't peaked. No, no, there's no there was no good news in the inflation data. It came in hotter than expected. Economists were expecting 1.6%. We got one8 that's a yeah, fair whack higher. Annual inflation are running at 7.3%. Uh, that's a very high number. Um, <laughs> just give you some context. It's high. <laughs> mm, that's a high number. <laughs> well, the, key, the key measure is the trim mean, mm. uh, which looks at, it gets close to the RBA's measure of core inflation. That's running at 6.1% year on year. That's the highest level since 1990. Mm. Uh, you remember the RBA's target got a target band of two to three percent, so at six point one percent, we're more than double the upper bound of mm. the target band. So yeah, nothing, nothing in there to suggest that we want the RBA is going to be um, sitting on its hands on Tuesday. Right. Um, so we're we're recording Monday, and mm. the RBA meets tomorrow. Got their mm. monthly monthly rate rise meeting, um, mm. where they're not going to not rate rise, are they? No, no, I can't. Not with no. these, not, not with these high numbers going around. No, no, they'll be looking at that going, "Oh, that's high." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we need the, the, low numbers, Phil. We need low numbers. <laughs> that's right. That's what the board's going to be pressing on him. <laughs> <laughs> Too high, Phil. Got to get them down. <laughs> How's five? No, lower. Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> 
right, I mean, so it, we'll- it, it creates an it's, it's interesting situation. I remember last month, RBA came out and surprised everyone by hiking uh, by 25 basis points. Mm. So they tampered back their rate hikes. They had been running, doing 50. Then we got four 50s in a row. They then dropped that back to 25. Um, and that's, that surprised everyone in the markets. So everyone was like, oh, because everyone was expecting 50. And at the time, the RBA said, noted that they were it was taking a little bit of a gamble being the first bank in the developed world to taper back the rate hike. Mm. That feels, um, that's Phil's wheelhouse, though. He's not a follower. He's a leader. <laughs> so, yeah, so now he got out in front of that one mm. and potentially got ahead of the curve. Um, because now inflation's come in a lot hotter than expected. Mm. So if we don't get 25 basis points on another 25 basis points on Tuesday, the only other scenario that markets are entertaining is another 50. Right. Um, which would look pretty stupid. <laughs> in this sense. Again, like you- wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is yeah. water off a duck's back. Looking stupid at the RBA. <laughs> yeah. Like you come out and you're you leading the world, say, yeah, with, we're, we're getting ahead of the curve. We think there's a lot of rate hikes already in the system. They're going to yeah. have an effect. They're going to drop, drop inflation. And then you go, oh, actually, we got one data point that mm. suggests that wasn't true and now we're back to 50s. Mm. So I find like it, it would look like chaos. And so I, I just don't think the extra impact of having that extra 25 basis points is worth looking that stupid for. Right. So, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm backing 25 basis points. But CBA, we're out saying it's a, it's a 50-50. It's a twin cost whether you get 25 or 50 <laughs> basis cost. points on Tuesday. Right. Um, um, right. So, so if we think about inflation then, so is inflation – everywhere is it kind of just are we just looking at widespread inflation now it's fairly widespread um like you look at non-discretionary inflation versus discretionary inflation that's one of the breakdowns the abs gives us Mm. so essentials are running at 8.4 percent inflation so that's really hot um discretion is at 5.5 but so that means you can't duck it if you're if you're a household there's no escaping inflation it's it's in your essentials and it's running hot in your essentials Mm. so that's having it so it's having a bigger impact on on household budgets than the headline data suggests but the other thing if you look at look at if you break it down goods inflation we get we can break down goods versus services inflation so goods account for three quarters of the rise, that's 7.3% over the year. So mm. three quarters of that is coming from goods. And that sort of, that's tells us that we're it's still largely an imported weather-related COVID supply chain shock kind of story. Mm. Um, Don't tell it, me it could still be transitory. It, uh, <laughs> four years in. Four years. <laughs> Turns out. It was just a really long <laughs> transitory period of inflation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's kind of what it's saying. So you've got it's it's not feeding through into the broader economy. You'd know you'd know it's done that once it's in your services sector. That's right. sort of the argument there. Like if it was in services, mm. um, then then you think okay, yep, it's everywhere. But it's but it's not. So it's sort of mostly in goods, and that's largely the sort of shock related. So it's not. In that, remember that sort of demand versus supply framework. It mm. still seems to be oh, a supply yes. shock. <laughs> yes, no, well, 
Yeah. Um, so it still seems to be supply driven, supply right. shock driven rather than demand driven, which is also unfortunate because hiking interest rates affects demand. It doesn't help anything with the supply <laughs> side. So it's not even clear that rate hikes are the right tool for the job in the current setting, but that's what we've got. And so you've got to do it. The other really thing, interesting thing I, I think in it is you get, you can break it down city by city. Mm. Um, guess which city's got the highest inflation numbers in the country? Perth. Oh, no. No. I was was totally uneducated. It was about as an uneducated guess. It was only because I was watching the cricket last night and they were playing in Perth. So (laughs) Perth was front of of mind. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, good. All right. I'm going to stop asking you questions. (laughs) (laughs) Which, mind you, if I can rant for a second. It's disappointing how many games of the T20 World Cup are being played in Perth. Wonderful stadium, but start them earlier. Like you've got 90% of your television audience on the east coast of Australia. I I can't stay up to watch. I forget who was playing last night. Um, Yeah, but I I, I would love to watch the end of, I think India, South Africa. Love to watch the end of that, but it finished at like 2 a.m. or something. Yeah, right, right. Mm. Yeah, no, Adelaide. (laughs) No, this podcast is focused on. (laughs) But when you've got a platform, Thomas, you've got to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pressing the big issues, you comedian version economist. Talking truth to power. Just- Start the cricket earlier, damn it. I don't know who needs to hear this. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the finance and investing sector, you know people in the broadcast community. <laughs> Maybe you got some more, got some contacts at Cricket Australia. Do me a solid. Uh, anyway, what what city yeah. has the highest inflation? Uh, Adelaide. Adelaide. Oh, running. That's, yeah. just, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So Adelaide's running at two point six percent. All the other capitals are running around that two percent mark. This mm. is quarter by quarter, uh, except for one capital lowest. Do you want to take a stab? Uh, Hobart. No, it's Perth. Oh. <laughs> Should have trusted your first instinct. <laughs> I couldn't go back to the well again. No, no, I tried that, failed. I learned my lesson. I'm no, yeah. I'm no dummy. Um, yeah. No, so Perth, Perth actually had deflation in the September quarter. Really? So, yeah, negative 0.5%. What's Perth got that the rest of the country doesn't have? Late it has nights. a late like cricket. <laughs> And <laughs> mining, My, yeah, and mining, and a domestic gas reservation. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> right. Oh, because that's just, yeah. that's right. They were they're kind of self sufficient for for gas. Yeah. Like when yeah. when the gas was going crazy on the east coast and energy prices were through the roof, Perth mm. was like, "No, nah, we're good here." Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're going to break Australia. up. Right. Western Australia, that's right. So Western Australia set a domestic gas reservation which says that 15% of all gas production mm. must be reserved for the local market. Right. So it's not even that much, 15%. Mm. It's not huge. But that's enough to, to drop prices. So where the, re- the East Coast is currently paying $30 oh. a gigajoule for gas, yeah. in Western Australia they're paying $5.50. Wow. So, yeah, so it's like, like, yeah, just drops it by sort of 80%. Mm. 
reduction in gas prices, which feeds directly into electricity prices. Electricity prices being a cornerstone Mm. commodity feeds through to the rest of the economy. So you you drop gas prices and you have a massive effect on your inflation numbers. They've got deflation in Perth. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, and then that supports because we buy we buy electricity and gas on the sort of international market, right? Like outside of Perth. So that supports uh, the theory that it's all sort of supply cost. That, yeah, yeah that that's right. I mean, it's all connection. To yeah, me? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Like the East Coast, we're exporting gas. With, there's no domestic reservation, so we end up paying global prices. Mm. So that thirty dollars, that's that's in line with global prices. Right. Western Australia duck that completely. They've got their own price, five dollars fifty. They're laughing, and it's probably going to hold around five dollars fifty. But in the rest of the country, it's going to keep heading north. And they're talking about electricity. We've had a ramp, strong ramp up in electricity prices. It's probably going to double from here. Seems to be the best guess. Right. So that's not going to bring down inflation. It um, makes it makes perfect sense now. Perth is the only place that can afford to keep the lights on. <laughs> Until late into the night. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a massive flex. Whatever. (laughs) Look at us with our bright lights. We don't even care. We're not even going to turn them off when the game's finished. (laughs) All right, Thomas, what's going on with Toyota? They are going old school. Yeah, yeah, they're going they're going back to analog keys, mechanical keys for cars for their customers oh. in Japan. Not all of them. So if you buy a uh, car in Japan, you get two keys. Hmm. Um, normally they're smart keys, um, digital keys, but there's a semiconductor chip shortage still, hmm. and so Toyota's gonna is saying, look, we're gonna give you two keys. We'll give you one smart key and one mechanical key, and then we'll fix you up with that second smart key when we get them in. But we don't know when that's gonna be. <laughs> They're not <laughs> very that smart. sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I f- isn't yeah. this a isn't this a security risk? Like if is it? Well. I don't know. Like the fact that you can still start a car with a like a dumb key, which obviously dumb key didn't make it into the Toyota marketing material. <laughs> um, but if you can still start the car with the dumb key, doesn't that mean potentially you could still start it with like a screwdriver or something? I thought the whole point of like smart keys was that they um, oh. was they meant that you they would become more sort of tamper resistant because you needed like a, it's essentially like a cryptographic exchange between your smart key and your car before the car will start. Doesn't it doesn't it work like a credit card though? Like I reckon my my uh, keys you like can't that. Open your car with your credit card, definitely. Yeah, not. no, you just got to jiggle it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Packing tape, yes. Credit cards, no. <laughs> no, no, but there's there's no there's not a chip in the in the key itself. There's like a chip in the car that's that's communicating. No, they're paired. With. Yeah. So so I got into home mm. automation for a while, and mm-hmm. I was trying to automate everything in my house. And what I wanted to do was um, like at 10 o'clock at night, if I was at home, then lock the car. If I was, if I was at home, the car was in the driveway. <laughs> not while Anna's out driving. Um, <laughs> but the car's in the driveway. I'm at home. I'm obviously not going to go out. Well, you know, I'm father of two. I'm not going anywhere after 10 o'clock at night generally. So lock the car just because I often forget to lock the car. 
Um, and there was no automation I could find because of the way because you, you can get you can buy like RF, um, infrared, whatever transmitters, but you couldn't get anything that would do your car because of I think because um, feel, feel free send us an email cve at equitymates.com if I'm wrong because I'd love to be able to do this, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think because it's like a because the key is coded to the car. Mm. You, you can't just you can't get like you can't get a universal remote, for example, to unlock your car mm, with, mm, basically. Yeah, um, but I'm not I'm not talking about a remote. Like I'm talking about like my my actual key has something mm. that communicates with the car mm. that lets it know it's the right key. Yeah. So if you if you lose the the thing, even I don't have a little beep beep remote <laughs> thing on on the on the key, mm. but it's still communicating. And if and if I lose the black bit of the key, the yeah. key stops working, even though the the pins all match the the key. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't think I do. Right, um, but I feel like mm. we're off track again, maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the the key point here. Is if you know how I can automatically lock my car after ten o'clock at night, <laughs> CVE at equityrates.com. <laughs> so okay, so the this is the so this is the chip shortage. Um, mm. Like, is Toyota the only one, or is it just because they're the biggest? That I haven't heard any uh, other companies suffering this kind of fate, or is this oh, just no, a smart yeah. move on Toyota's part? No, well, I don't know if they're about this, but Honda has reduced production by forty percent through October because mm. they can't get chips. The American Car Industry Association reckons that um, supply shortages are going to cost 3.5 million vehicles this this in the year to date. So, yeah, so production has been 3.5 million vehicles less than it would have been Mm. because of these supply chain shortages. Toyota was forecasting 9.7 million vehicles this year. It's now had to warn, did it warned market saying we're not going to hit that. I'm not going to not going to meet that because we're. Not getting the not getting the chips we need. This reminds me of when American Airlines or someone decided they were going to cut back from three olives to two olives in their their like lunch meal on the flights, and they worked out if they did that, that would save them like I don't know forty billion dollars a year or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just on one olive per meal, because like, isn't the average? Doesn't the average car contain like? 1400 microchips <laughs> like i feel like the extra one for the the spare key <laughs> that's just kind of being a prick about things isn't it <laughs> like really but i guess you know on uh, at scale uh, yeah, yeah you know you go well actually we can we can maybe make another i don't know thousand cars if we save one chip per customer yeah. in their key yeah, well, you're going to save 9.7 million chips mm. based on their production. So targets, yeah, there's a lot so. more cars. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that makes mm. a difference. So, that's a, that's so why is there still this semiconductor shortage? I, we're, yeah, I, are I, they not the production not happening again, or is it shipping? Is it what's going on? Yeah, I think I, I think it's so we moved from sort of COVID supply disruptions, mm. and then it had all these sort of supply bottlenecks come through. But then in the middle of that, you had a sort of reorganizing of the geopolitical landscape. Mm. Uh, Russia attacked Ukraine. China became hostile with the US, basically, but like moved from sort of best friends to strategic rivals. Mm. Um, America then sort of has has this big push to to reshore semiconductor production. So the whole semiconductor industry is 
reconfiguring itself. Mm. Um, and it all just takes time to play out. Um, yeah, and I think that's sort of why we're, yeah, why this is still happening. But it's also why, again, this is a supply shock. If you're down, if Toyota's down, if you, you know, the vehicle industry is down three and a half million vehicles, mm. that's, that's the definition of a supply shock. Supplies dropped, which other things being equal means prices must go up. Hmm. Um, so this is bad news for inflation too then. This is not a good story. Not a good news story for inflation. Yeah. So we ha- like so you kind of yeah, as you're joking it's kind of right like we have these temporary transitory shocks, mm. these supply shocks that that happen that feed through into prices, but like the energy shock, the semiconductor shock is taking years to play out. And the danger with that is that then then everyone just starts adjusting around the, this reality and and prices going up keep 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 pushing higher i mean it's interesting you've seen the other the other big story through covid was was uh container freights freight rates Mm. for international shipping they they exploded they've come off recently so they're starting to sort of normalize um which is going to take some some heat out of inflation but yeah so far i haven't seen it in in semiconductors Mm. i like this though i like i like like getting back in touch with the the older technology you know like the mechanical Mm technology like moving back it feels nice to move back to like a key rather than like my car like beeps at me if i walk too far away from it with the car running because the key's in my pocket it's like oh hey where are you going (laughs) relax i've got to lock the door um so yeah i I like this kind of old school less complicated like i don't know maybe we could maybe we could save on like starter motors as well just get back to the old you know where people used to stand in front of their car and have to crank it over (laughs) crankshaft i I love to see a tesla owner with a crankshaft market for that for sure hey before we go to a break uh clement sent us an email cve at equitymates.com uh hey guys love your podcast you mentioned on your last episode that interest rates on mortgages were fixed in the u.s i grew up in france and it's the same there i wonder why in australia we can't have fixed interest rates for more than a few years any thoughts thomas any reason why the 30-year mortgage rate in the u.s does, does seem odd yeah it is odd i i, I did some research and i don't know I, I read a couple of things and just wasn't clear. Like it's like it's sort of it seems to be kind of a structural feature. They had it, and then you create sort of the financial infrastructure around it that supports that, and you have mm. the, you know your securities and your derivatives and everything. And it's sort of like it just sort of evolves that way. Seems to be the answer. It's right. just evolved differently here. I mean, I think in practice it. it like I don't think you're not locked into your 30 years. I'm sure that must be the case that you you must be able to change lenders and refinance at lower rates at certain points. I think yeah, because if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're locked in in the 80s, you're like 19% mm. interest for 30 years. That, yeah. that, that'd kill you. Mm. Yeah, so it must be something like that. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's, how it's evolved like that. Mm. Like I, I did read a piece and I just didn't quite get it immediately, so I'm not sure. The, no. the, the answer is it seems to be kind of complex. and The answer yeah. is it's probably, it probably works well for the banks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but we've got banks in, in America and Australia. We do. Like, That's an excellent point, Thomas. See, <laughs> this is where yeah. you provide that expert analysis that the rest yeah, of us. The nuance. <laughs> <laughs> It just goes over the rest of our heads. All right, so it's not because of banks. Uh, oh, well, there you go. Well, uh, 
yeah, I don't know. I feel like apologising to Clement. He had a good question and I don't feel like we've given a good answer. Yeah, maybe try another economics podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, why don't we uh, pause there. We'll grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget to check out community.equitymates.com. You'll find lots of uh, people basically hanging out, talking stocks, talking investing, talking Talking Comedian versus Economist, perhaps, in the Comedian versus Economist channel. But uh, make sure you head over there, check it out, log in, create an account, and uh, get involved. Uh, but Thomas, New South Wales government are cracking down on pokies. What's going on with their pokies crackdown? Yeah, well, kind of. It's probably not quite there yet, but we're potentially on a road to a bit of a crackdown. So the New South Wales Crime Commission... <laughs> We've drafted a paper that's going to be circulated to come up with potentially a proposal where we're going to look at reviewing the pokey situation in 2047. Yeah, that probably is close to the reality of it. Mm. But yeah, the uh, but the New South Wales Crime Commission uh, has just done a review into pokies and money laundering. Oh yeah, uh, and found that criminals are funneling billions of dollars of dirty cash through pokies. Hmm. Um, and saying the machines are a safe haven for money launderers because of the weak regulation. Right. Um, yeah, the New South Wales Crime Commissioner Michael Barnes said, at the moment, serious offenders can enter New South Wales pubs and clubs, sit down next to patrons in gaming rooms, and openly feed large sums of cash from their crimes into pokey machines with no real fear of detection. <laughs> <laughs> they blend in with all the other old ladies who come in with a suitcase full of cash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. No, it is. Well, this is literally what happens. So they come in with a huge amount of cash. They put yeah. the cash into the machine. They make a couple of bets. Yeah. And then cash out. Get a get a ticket. Take it to the um, the office and get and get sort of a deposit for the money back, and then that becomes legitimate becomes legal. cash at that point. Yeah, well, I, this so I listened to a podcast um, called I think it was the Lazarus Heist. It was about the big um, like a uh, North Korean cyber group, um, and maybe it was that one. It might have been a different one. Anyway, they basically worked out they they took all this money out of I think it was Bangladesh Bank. 
uh, and they had to launder it somehow and they essentially took it to a casino. And mm. pokies are, in Australia, I don't know about it everywhere else, but in Australia they've got a minimum guaranteed return. So they have mm. to return, I think yeah. it's something like 80% something so no, it's, like, it's in the 90s i reckon is it's it between, that high yeah yeah it's like 87 minimum and i reckon 87. most of them are, and you can clock it but most yeah. of them are clocked around 92 something like that right so yeah so criminals basically just take that hit they go well, that's just the cost of doing business we'll mm. take all of our ill-gotten gains and feed it through the pokies and we'll just we'll get a return of um 87 the devil's mm. number yeah coincidentally yeah. <laughs> um yeah yeah, yeah right. that's right yeah, so that's what that's what they're doing, and so they don't yeah. want to get rid of pokies. They just want to get rid of money the, laundering. That's a, yeah. the money laundering. Well, that's what the crime commission's saying. Mm. Yeah, they didn't they didn't look into whether pokies are a good thing or not. But they're saying yeah, it's saying that many. Yeah, it's <laughs> a pretty easy question to answer. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I'm, I'm like I'm yeah. talking about having a platform. I hate pokies. I just mm. they're the scourge of the earth. I don't. Yeah. Has, there's no there's no rationale why these things need to exist. No, yeah, um, but, anyway. but yeah, they, but they reckon many. They have. They can't put exact numbers on it. They have got no idea. But they mm. say it's in the many billions. Yeah, wow. And primarily from drug dealing is what they're saying. Right. So yeah. So they they so they recommended a whole bunch of new rules. Um, one, yeah, updating the law to clarify that people and businesses associated with pokies must be active in preventing money laundering. Um, the one I love is that that update the law to enable venues with pokies to deny entry to people suspected of dealing with proceeds of crime. Mm. It's like, like I think like to, to enable pen venues to deny entry. So it kind of means like if, if you, at the moment you can walk into a pub in a black and white stripy shirt with some <laughs> eye masks on and a bag of cash with a dollar sign written on it and go, I'd like to launder some money, please. And they can't deny entry. They can't do entry. anything about it. <laughs> like, oh. Pokeland is this way. Do you like a free lemonade? <laughs> free coffees? Perhaps <laughs> a biscuit? <laughs> we know that money laundering can be tough work. <laughs> we'll hit off you some free refreshments as you <laughs> feed that cash through our machines. Uh, yeah. Right. The other, thing, the other thing I recommend is, is changing the load up limits. Mm. So uh, at the moment, the most you so you can like put a whole bunch of cash in and then just gamble it away. Uh, the maximum load up limit in New South Wales is ten thousand mm. dollars. So yeah. a little bit of a flutter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've gone to the pub, you've had a snitzel, you have a nice time, maybe celebrating a birthday with the family. <laughs> you walk past the pokey lounge and you just think to yourself, Oh, why not? <laughs> just drop a ten K <laughs> <laughs> Just a cheeky 10k on the pokies <laughs> on the way to the car. Oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> so yeah, they reckon that number needs to come down. <laughs> well, uh, it is. I think it is in other states, isn't it? Like it's like yeah. they're an outlier. Like in other states, they are. I they're the worst. New South Wales is the worst. Queensland, it's a hundred dollars in Queensland. Yeah. Yeah, which is that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. But the other the other thing that they recommended, what, and this is the one that got the most pushback, was mm. the idea to introduce a mandatory cashless gaming system for pokies, or a gambling wallet, effectively. Right. So yeah, so you've got to you've got to 
reg- like effectively you need to register with the hotel or some provider that's authorizing it. Yeah. You do the know your customer regulations and all of that and then you load up your card and then you take your card to the pokies. Mm. Um, yeah. And and this is this is a proposal that's been around for quite a while to sort of to be able to crack down on problem gamblers <clears throat> and sort of say so people can effectively get blacklisted, say like, okay, you're a problem gambler now. We're not we're not loading up your card anymore. Mm. But yeah, the Hotelers Association is really pushing back on that one. That that one they find. I really love this, alarming. this notion of cracking down on pro- like, where's helping problem gamblers? <laughs> like, where's supporting them to you know to get off problem gambling yeah, and maybe right. you know helping them? You're like they're the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing here at 8am again? You've got a problem. <laughs> really? Or, or maybe you shouldn't be open at 8am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the rest of the business isn't running. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the Australian Hotel Association, they, like, they see that as a big threat to, mm. their, to their revenue. Um, a spokesperson for the AHA came out and said, we should be very careful of regulatory overreach here. Mm. We stand in solidarity with organised criminal syndicates and remain committed to our common mission of destroying the lives of poor people in the name of money. So that was refreshingly honest. I mean, that wasn't literally what they said, but that was the gist of it. It's not a word-for-word quote. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anything we can do. I mean, any step we can take is good in my book, I think. But I mean, the thing, thing is, I mean, it's interesting one, like to, just to bring it back to markets. So it's an interesting one for a group like Endeavour Group or some mm. of the other, there's some private equity players that, that own a lot of pubs. It potentially has a, would be a bit of a hit to their, if they, if, if this New South Wales got really serious about pokies, which they, which they should, mm. um, you know, like in a, in a well-located pub, pokies account for a third of revenue. Well, and so yes, yeah, so a third of revenue off an incredibly small cost base. Mm. So they're, they're they're hugely profitable for um, yeah for the pubs, and they're capitalised into the value. So a pokey license is worth six hundred thousand dollars. Wow, you can you can trade them, but you got to pay that much. So like the value to just bleed poor people of their money mm. is worth six hundred thousand dollars. So and that's the prices that the current pub owners have paid. So, so current pubs face a hit one to their revenue if, if there's a serious crackdown, and two to their asset values because the the value of the licenses would fall. Mm. Yeah, right. So which is which is why they're pushing back so hard against it. They want they want to see any regulation, but you know. Well, yeah, but Crimea <laughs> <laughs> River. It's like. <laughs> Like drug de- drug dealers <laughs> complaining that someone outlawed heroin. Ah, I can't believe it. Can't even deal smack anymore. It's communism. <laughs> All right, Thomas, I love this story. Police have urged people to be careful in the Northern Territory, be on the lookout for some fake bills. What's going on? Yeah, so apparently some fake bills... And I don't, it's, there's a lot of unknowns in this story, which is a bit odd. The mm. fake bills were apparently used for in film and TV production, but it's from it was in Alice Springs, mm. which is not known as one of the film and television. <laughs> this is the Hollywood of Australia, isn't it? <laughs> That's what they call it. 
Alice Springs, the tinsel town of the tinsel town of the North Centre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so apparently, a whole bunch of fake bills have been stolen um, mm. from from a house in in Alice Springs. From a house, though, well, not not from a set, but from a house. Mm. Um, but anyway, the, the NT police have released a statement saying that uh, the $100 bills feature a series of subtle differences <laughs> to, to authentic cash. Yeah. Um, this includes that rather than Sir John Monash and Dame Nellie Melba on the $100 notes, they've mm. got Steve Irwin <laughs> and Alf from Home and Away. I love the Alf that still doesn't have a last name, even in the official police publication. <laughs> Steve Irwin and Alf from Home and Away, because everyone just knows who it is. It's, yeah. got, it's surprising they've had to issue a warning saying don't accept a $100 bill with a picture of Steve Irwin on it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's some pr- they're pretty. There's some. It's a high end production. It's not just some teenagers with a. Pen. It's got a picture of Steve Irwin <laughs> on it. It's not yeah. the <laughs> someone who's never appeared. Not. I'm not saying he shouldn't be on money. I'm mm. just saying to date, he's never been on money. Yeah, and that if someone handed true. me one, I'd be like, ah, <laughs> yes. So I smell a rat. <laughs> Um, yeah, but if you were in Singapore and someone gave you a hundred dollar note that yeah. didn't didn't have some Singaporean historical figure that had a had a K-pop kind of celebrity, oh sure, on it. yeah. If you're, yeah, I, maybe yeah. Oh, right. If you're working, maybe you're picking grapes in Australia, you're backpacking mm. down here, and the and the and the grape the. What do you call? I don't even know. Farmer was paying you in cash and just started dishing out Alf from home and away. That's all right. You'd Google who was Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin was Australia's most loved naturalist. Oh, that must be why he's on the hundred dollar note. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah, there's a few right. other, a few other subtle differences. Mm, so the yeah. shrine of the shrine of remembrance. Yeah. Um, it's normally on the note that was replaced by John Farnham. Ah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they've replaced the word Australia with Australia. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a, it's a dead giveaway right there because everyone knows the proper abbreviation for Australia is Straya and not Australia. Australia. There's no there's Australia true. doesn't exist in the in the yeah. Australian vernacular. <clears throat> mm. um, but yeah, I, I noticed the in a, a case of, of art imitating life, uh, they've replaced the Australian mast owl with uh, and native wattle with a mining hall truck. <laughs> Move over, native flora and fauna. We've got mining to do. <laughs> oh man! I, yeah. The thing about this, right, is is that given that it's a film set. And presumably, like, I don't know, maybe they often go to remote locations to film Hollywood blockbusters. So it's potential potential that it's a, quite a collectible. So these $100 notes mm-hmm. might actually be worth more than $100 depending on the success of the movie. Mm, so they might not so even uh, use them. They might just keep yeah, them yeah. as like a, 
a souvenir. The stole. Imagine if that's like a some sort of like Titanic version too. I'm not filming the Titanic in Alice Springs, are they? But, um, <laughs> but you know, some some massive Hollywood blockbuster. Then mm. you just keep the notes. And with the way inflation's going, mm. you know, I'd rather have a fake hundred dollar note with Steve Irwin on it, with the chance of being a collector's item, <clears throat> than an actual hundred dollar note. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I think your logic's sound. I wouldn't buy it until it was an NFT, uh, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you, you got to be. You've got to be pretty brave, I reckon, to walk into a shop with a hundred dollar note <laughs> with Steve Irwin, John Farnham, and a mining truck on it, and try and use it. Like, I'd love. I'd love to see someone try and hand over that fake note. And but I'd take it. I'd take it even further. Like when the shopkeeper was like, "Oi, this is nah, this is dodgy. I'm calling the cops." Just have like your mate rock up in like a '98 Commodore with police written on the side of it, <laughs> just coming in, going, "Nino, Nino, Nino. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> what seems to be the problem here?" <laughs> No, I can see Australia written on there. Everything seems to be above board. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes. Well, police have advised any shopkeepers receiving money with Alf from Home and Away on it to simply respond with, get out of my store, you flaming mongrel. <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah. I reckon that does us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. We hope you enjoy every every show. We'd really like it if you could rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that would help us out a lot. Um, but for myself and Thomas, it's bye from us, and we'll talk to you again next time on Comedian versus Economist. Bye. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.